0: Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. I can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. I
1: can do anything. Yeah. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. Hell no. And we are back at it again with lucky episode number 13. Welcome back to the Common Sense Podcast. My name is Patrick.
0: And I'm Antonia.
1: And we are back at it again, fully rested from Philadelphia. It <laughs> was a good time there, and I am really enjoying. I think this last episode was probably my favorite.
0: Yes, I said the same thing.
1: <laughs> wow, the feedback has been incredible. Actually, these last two. Or kind of great. Even the, uh, the Rainbow Fish was really well received as well. Yeah. yeah. So thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate you. And welcome back to lucky episode number 13.
0: Is 13 really a lucky number, though?
1: Is Or is it unlucky? Is it lucky number seven? Am I wrong?
0: I don't know. I think seven's a lucky number, but 13 always kind of seems. Spooky. I'm
1: thinking 13, Friday the 13th, Halloween. You and you know I, I love I love horror stuff like that shit. I mean. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, we're back.
1: <laughs> welcome. Welcome, welcome.
0: Do you have good news?
1: Yes. Um so I got my NCTE conference registration, so I'm really excited about that.
0: Oh, well, that's good news.
1: Yeah, that's very 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 exciting. And we had a meeting last night, the uh, National Committee of Oh God, don't give me the lion, the Committee on Anti Bias and Racism for NCT. We had our meeting (laughs) last night.
0: You're very careful with those words, right there.
1: Yeah, yeah, I want to make sure I get the name right. Um, But we have a an really important meeting that is open to the public at the nct conference in houston so if you are in houston and you are going to the national council of teachers of english please make your way on friday at 5 p.m to our committee meeting so we so we can plan together and help to hold our organization accountable for um anti-bias and anti-racism so that's my good news
0: um So, my good news is I feel like it's so minor, but it's so life-changing for me now. Uh Um, I I have morning duty now. (laughs) And so, I get to go home.
1: (laughs) I was not ready (laughs) for that.
0: (laughs) I know you were not ready, but literally, like, I am a different person if if I have to stay at school. Seven minutes past the time I walked into school thinking I was going to be walking out, if that makes sense.
1: Yes. Wow. (laughs) So, yeah.
0: I was happy for that to happen, and like I'm perpetually late, but I've been on time the last it's the three days
1: little things it's the little things
0: the little things, yes, um what else? I've also had to well, it's not good news. I've had to start locking my door when I leave school because I found out like children were going in and getting things because people were telling them they could um, and so that's interesting, super random what else good news, good news um. I don't know. I'm just really excited about that. The semester is halfway over with this online class.
1: Stupid ass online class that you're in. Yeah, I'm, I'm
0: tired of fighting Weird, weird that. ass
1: professor. <laughs> you got weird as hell.
0: So, I mean, I, I think I told you how she took off a point and I emailed her and was like, why'd you take off a point basically? Yeah. And she came back with some BS about how the common noun was capitalized. And I'm just like, sis, you didn't read the book because all throughout the book, the common noun was capitalized, capitalize,
1: sis. Hello. But thank you.
0: Then she goes, well, thank you for pointing that out and didn't change the grade. So, like, I'm really tired of playing with her and I'm counting down until I'm done with her. But, yeah, that's that's good news for this week.
1: Awesome. Great week. Another week down, mid-October, itching to Thanksgiving break. So, I, I cannot wait for that. I cannot wait.
0: Thanksgiving break's going to be lit.
1: <laughs> i didn't know you said things like that
0: <laughs> <laughs> I, okay i <laughs> i finally feel like my kids are my kids now oh, cool. i think i was still holding on kind to kind of to last year's group like at the expectations and like thinking end of year may like what they should be able to do but like i finally i think i'm past that little hill so yeah that's very exciting are you ready for this week's game?
1: I'm ready. I'm so excited that you planned one. That was no shade. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wait, that was no All shade. All the shade. <laughs> that was no shade.
0: <laughs> no, if only y'all knew every week I'm like, okay, I have the game for next week. I'm going to set an alarm. <laughs> and he knows. The alarm never gets set. <laughs> I actually did oh. set the alarm this week, though.
1: Oh God, I'm literally screaming. Okay, go ahead.
0: <laughs> okay, um, I took the time to find out what states spend on standardized testing. Oh, and it's it's really interesting. So let's see if you can guess some of the numbers.
1: Here comes the money. Here okay, we go.
0: first question is not quite a number question, but which state? Um,
1: Texas I'm, no. just, I'm just sorry go ahead
0: I mean I know we messed up but no <laughs>
1: Um,
0: which state spends the most money on standardized testing
1: mm. which state spends the most money on standardized testing well I think it has to be a state that is that has heavy charters um it has to be a state that I think is near a lot of colleges, like in the Northeast region. Am I close? Kinda. Okay. Um is it Is it Pennsylvania?
0: No, it is not Pennsylvania.
1: Am I close, though? Yeah. Like, location-wise?
0: Like, three hours away. Is it near me? Yep.
1: Is it Virginia?
0: No. What? You're very close, though.
1: Okay, just tell me. I can't.
0: It's D.C. What? Are you kidding me? I am not. It's us? The amount amount that they spend per student in D.C. um, from the last time that they took data from all the states, which was after the 2012 school year, D.C. spends about $114 per student.
1: My mouth is on the floor. I just knew it couldn't be D.C.
0: Yep. And this is coming from um, Brookings.
1: Are you serious?
0: I am. We can link the study in the description so people can go look at it.
1: D.C. How many data points do y'all need to tell y'all the same (laughs) shit? Wow. Okay.
0: Okay. Who spends the least amount per student?
1: Okay. I'm going west here. Uh, Some random ass state like South Dakota no Montana no I was rooting for you Montana um (laughs) okay let me think then so I'm thinking it's a state that nobody ever hears about or nobody gives a damn about no shade to Montana and South Dakota yikes I'm, you know, like they're just not in the news for anything like notorious, you know?
0: They're not. Yeah.
1: Would I be accurate to say that it's West? No. What? I know it isn't South. It's not. Okay. Is it in the Northeast again? Or Midwest?
0: I'm testing my map skills. Uh, I just
1: taught US region, so I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm on fire, baby.
0: I don't want to tell you the acronym I know for the cardinal directions. Um it would be northeast. It would be
1: northeast again. That's weird. Okay. Is it a chart it can is it a charter heavy state?
0: I'm not sure actually.
1: Mm. Okay, I'm going to I'm going to say it's Massachusetts. Nope. Wow. You ready? Okay, what's the hint?
0: Um, one of their what do they call them in this state? Um, in Texas we call them superintendents. This state recently hired a superintendent from Houston.
1: Um, I think you sent me this.
0: Do, 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 do.
1: Um, it's not. Is it New York? Yep. Oh, uh, you know why? Because New York does their, isn't it? Because. They like they create their shit in in house.
0: That's what it seems t- it, it might be. So it's crazy. So New York spends the least amount um That's per student.
1: Weird. sauce. So.
0: But they spend more por- more per year than DC.
1: What? If that makes any sense? No, break that down for me.
0: So like um $7 per student in New York, but yearly amount is 10 million what no can i read numbers oh, okay no it's 10 million yeah fix
1: it jesus
0: and then in dc they spend 114 per student but it's only 3 million a year
1: okay so okay okay i'm confused
0: it doesn't make no sense it, it it's very confusing so
1: are we saying that need who does more standardized testing and who's making bad, just badass business deals?
0: Well, it's funny because they're both using the same primary contractor. Oh, okay. So All right. <laughs> We will link this for y'all to look at. And
1: y'all analyze it your damn selves, because I don't get it.
0: I'm really confused looking at it, but the numbers the numbers are crazy.
1: Ten million dollars? Do you know what a school can do with ten million dollars? Now I know New York is huge. There's a ton of people that live there. So I get that anything that they spend on every student will cost a lot of money. But ten million dollars. What?
0: Do you wanna know how much Texas spends?
1: Oh God. How much?
0: Eighty dollars. He would lie. <laughs>
1: 85 million. Wow. 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 Yikes. Yikes.
0: And in all 45 states, it says $669,220,393. Thank you
1: so much. I cannot, will not, shall not, cannot.
0: So, there's your game
1: for the week. The most depressing game I think we played all 13 episodes. Thank you so so much.
0: You know how much I can buy with that that money?
1: Depressing as hell. Wow. Standardized testing Uh, is uh, trash. Just in case y'all didn't know. Right. Trash. So, let's take it back. Because (laughs) I need y'all to know behind the scenes, we were not even supposed to talk about standardized testing, but we're going to do it anyway. Let's take it back to the 1920s. This is what I learned at the Blackmore Educators Convening Conference Convention in Philadelphia. I went to this uh, session that was centered around liberating assessments and eliminating standardized tests from schools, right? And finding a more authentic, a more genuine, a less racist or an anti-racist test to administer to kids because we know what happens. Well, we know who standardized tests are for and who they are not for. Mm-hmm. So anyway, I learned, and I want to share this. So standardized testing really started to gain some steam in the 1920s by a white fella named Louis Terman. Okay? Now, Lewis Terman was a psychologist from Stanford, and he was famous because he was interested in kind of defining the mental differences between individuals, right? And so he wanted to do this through a standardized IQ test, okay, um, or a mental test. And he used this scale of intelligence in order to kind of figure that out hopefully i'm saying this right if i'm not you know feel free to play patrick you're wrong as hell of course (laughs) okay and so you know people really enjoyed this like form of testings people love these tests so much that even in 1917 lewis Terman played a key role in developing an intelligence test uh intelligence standardized test for the army
0: Oh, I did not know that.
1: Yes, he did, honey. Yes, he did. And these tests, you know, gained steam. Because, you know, when you put things through the army, you know it's real, right? Yeah. That he helped to develop the National Intelligence Test for grades 3 through 8, which were ready to use in 1920. And so, throughout the 20s, what he did was he, you know, was a leader and kind of establishing widespread standardized tests so that we can begin to classify um, ability groups. And these ability groups later turned into the tracking system. So that's what we got gifted children. We got special, well, I don't know, special education, but gifted you know non-gifted like those kinds of things all stemmed from this man Lewis Terman
0: it's a mess a
1: hot mess a hot mess
0: I just think of how like one one person like single-handedly completely shifted what things could have been right
1: my white men you know what white you men, can literally white
0: men. <laughs> We weren't clear.
1: <laughs> you can count on white men for just about every tragedy we have. On Who did God- it? A earth. white man? On God's earth, I promise you. Just about.
0: Yikes. 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 That's my new thing.
1: Um, I think about how like,
0: it's still obviously in effect today. Like even um, the IQ testing. That's a component of being tested into gifted and talented in so many districts.
1: And what they later found with these IQ tests were that these students were actually not better off than the average student.
0: Wait, say that one more time?
1: Well, they literally found that those students who were tagged gifted were not better off than those students who were tagged average. Oh, yeah. Which is... Still a modern day reality.
0: Yeah. I mean, because then, too, you have to start to dive into who is labeling these kids as gifted, right? And who's deciding who's gifted and who's not gifted, too. But that's, I mean, it's, I guess it's part of this conversation, but not the meat of it.
1: Were you pissed with standardized testing growing up?
0: No. Um, so I only have vague memories of it. And I've always been a good test taker. Like I literally would fall asleep on the AP tests and wake up and just finish them. But I remember, like in Texas, we took toss, and I remember we had the entire day to take it. But I don't remember anything that was on the test. And then it switched to like I was the guinea pig um, group of kids. Like I took every test that changed in Texas. So there was toss and then I took tax, and you still had all day to take tax. And I remember intentionally, taking the entire day to take tax so I didn't have to go back to class and those so that the teacher couldn't teach. Because if you fell asleep, like, you you just had as much time as you needed, right? And then I was – as I got older, I did start to get annoyed with all of the entrance-type entrance, exa- entrance type exams. Like, we took PSAT, then, you know, there's SAT, and then the AP test, and then the dual credit test. I was annoyed with all of
1: those. Team I much. think
0: because <laughs> – Right, I think I had more of a understanding of how much these tests had the potential to decide uh, the potential to impact where I ended up post high school, um, and I think at that point teachers were also starting to feel the pressure of kids passing tests, um, because in elementary it I don't remember ever feeling the way that I know children feel nowadays with the pressure to pass these tests and like it being either you pass or you repeat the grade it was not that's what it is for some in texas for some they have and now i'm like forgetting the name the term um but literally where it's like um a requirement to advance the next grade and some parents have started opting their children out and like just keeping their child home on those days and requesting like an alternative conference to determine if their child can move forward to the next grade but admin won't tell you that you can do that
1: Yes, and I'll bring it up again in a minute. But I do want to say I agree with you that when I was going through school, I was not exhausted by the standardized test. Uh-uh.
0: Yeah, it's different now.
1: I do remember that we did it once a year. Um, in Michigan, we had the Meep. <laughs> I don't know <laughs> if you. It's <laughs> so funny. Um, I don't know if you guys had. Like those big rallies, where you get excited to take the test.
0: Yes, yes.
1: We used to have cheerleaders and contests. Yes. And we used to have this the radio song. people would
0: come out.
1: Beat the meep, yeah. Beat the meep. Beat the <laughs> meep, yeah. Beat the meep. Dun We gonna beat the meep. Who? who we go. I just say, you know what? Looking back on it, I said this low key.
0: A whole mess. We still have them now. I remember the pep rallies, though.
1: The pep rallies are nothing but an opportunity for us to get fake excited so that we try our best. But it's it's just like, I don't know. It didn't really work after about an hour into the test for me. And more so like I still can't tell you how I performed on those exams I can't explain to you how those exams made an impact on my school well on my teaching and how teachers taught me Um, I do remember receiving them in the mail and not being able to read the charts so they got thrown in the trash
0: I remember them coming home and my I remember my mom Like trying to understand because when you I don't know if it's the same now, because obviously I don't teach a a grade that's being tested. But when you get the or when you used to get the results, it would be like your child performed in the blank percentile of a child in X grade. And it's never written in user friendly language. So like you said, you can't understand what the data is saying about your child. And so you're just like, okay, are you going to next grade or not? (laughs) Oh. <laughs> Wait, on the report card to say promoted or advanced <laughs> because this there was like um exempt, it wasn't exemplary there were like three tiers to passing and I don't even remember the name of them the only real memory I have of those standardized tests was 7th grade when, and I don't know if it was the same for you, you have the, the reading passages and it would be like what word was misspelled in line 17 Right, and you have to go back and I remember one word being independent—that was spelled wrong—and I only
1: knew it was spelled wrong. I n d e p. Do you know what that I mean? <laughs> that was me in the room. <laughs> I can't and I won't with you. I take issue with these rallies now because, um, obviously, and in case you don't know, I'll tell you now: standardized tests are an oppressive system that are meant to hold black kids back. You heard it here first if you haven't heard it, but please know that these tests do nothing but hold black kids back because they hold black teachers and other teachers who teach black kids and brown kids back from giving them high-quality, authentic instruction.
0: Yeah. I want the thing I see th- oh go ahead
1: I just want to give a hearty fuck you to any district that is requiring um teachers and schools to spend an outrageous amount of hours in the beginning, the middle and the end to standardize test their kids every single you know, year. I think it is just completely ridiculous, especially because our babies will never, and I, and I guarantee this, will never perform the way that the students who are at the top are performing. And I'll explain why after you go ahead. Uh,
0: Um, when you say like how much they're spending, how much time they're spending taking tests, it makes me think of how a lot of times children are taking mock STAR exams because STAR is what it's called in Texas. And so the whole campus will shut down so that they can be in a mock testing environment to prepare them for the real testing environment. And it's just like, that's a complete waste of time. And the child is not learning anything, right? And then we want to test what type of reader they are and how well they comprehend text and passages and how well they infer things. But we don't ever give children the time to actually read and engage with books. Um, the first school I taught at, literally, ELA was packet, 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 pack dissect the text, dissect me the too. text. And it's just me, like, too.
1: Black and white.
0: Whoever learns to read that way? <laughs> like, yeah. a, a child that is going to pass your little test is one that reads real texts, not one who preps through. These passages over and over, because they're not having real authentic reading experiences that they get to to what am I trying to say? apply these strategies that they're learning to the books, like you bubble and answer, bubble and answer. It's not I don't know where it's impacting children's education because you it's just never mind
1: well f- well, Go frankly, ahead. you know, this reminds me of the the baseball experiment. Have you heard of that? No. So the, the 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 baseball experiment was basically this experiment that said, hey, we want well, I'm not gonna even gonna go through it. I'll just tell you what they found out. They they found out <laughs> that reading ability had little impact on how well kids understood this, understood this story about baseball, right? Oh, yeah, so basically, you know kids who could read really, really, really well still did poorly than those students who actually had the background knowledge to relate to the story that they were reading on the test
0: all about background knowledge,
1: so they found that the weaker readers did just as strong as the stronger readers as if be because of their knowledge of baseball, yeah. So it let people know that prior knowledge is crucial for comprehending a book. So when you put a standardized test that was written by whites, for whites, but now are are being taken by black and brown children, and then... And then they're being held to the same to the same standard as white children. Right. From affluent neighborhoods. And you experience you expect Darius from Southeast D.C. to comprehend a text about lacrosse. Or about horseback riding. when somebody from northwest dc actually plays lacrosse and actually goes horseback riding on summer vacations now that may be a generalization i know y'all been getting on me for generalizations but that's the damn truth
0: there i've had situations where that's exactly what (laughs) what happened and i think the scenario that i experienced it was with tennis though and the kids, the question, it, it had a story about a little kid who likes to go play tennis. And it had all these different pictures of equipment that you would need to play tennis. And like one question was like, well, what, to, like not what tool, but what would X, whoever the name was, need in order to play this game? And it had the pictures and it was like a tennis racket, a basketball, a baseball and something else. And all of my kids got it wrong. And it was just like you, you're you making the assumption that children know about these sports and these experiences and they're being penalized because maybe they don't have the background knowledge of that. And now it's saying that you're not, like on paper, you're less than, right? Just because I don't have exposure to this activity.
1: I mean, there's really no possible way that <laughs> students... I mean, well let, well, let me not say that, be, because clearly there are some students who, across this country, some black and brown students who are excelling. What? 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 <laughs> oh, I thought you laughed. <laughs> there are some black and brown students who are, you know, exceeding on standardized tests. Yeah. However when we look at the majority, we know that black and brown students obviously perform way less um, but than white students. But my issue here is with the overemphasis on testing on a systematic level, you then have an overemphasis on testing on a classroom level. And testing, I don't know about you, but testing is not in my philosophy of education,
0: no, so I think I think all of us are aware that there are many ways for children to show their their smartness um and ways for us to to check and guide along the way to make sure that they're reaching you know end of year goals or making progress. And one single test is not like in my book, it does not tell me anything about a child because by the time we even get the test back, you know, the child has left me.
1: Another school, another (laughs) teacher, whole different year. I'm overwhelmed by these new kids. How the hell am I supposed to plan something when this is old news?
0: This data is old and and no one does anything with it except you might use it to track that kid the next year. You might put them in an RTI group from day one because they missed the test by three questions or they bombed the test or whatever. But that should not be, like the number from a test should not define children by any means because all of us know that there are better ways to assess where your students are. But, you know, money's Money's tied tied
1: in. in. Money's tied in. But, mm. I'm looking at standardized tests from even ACT and SAT. um, And colleges are not requiring them as much.
0: Even GRE.
1: Yeah, I refuse to take the GRE.
0: It's just a symbol of how much money you have. I mean, there's been studies done about how... Like, the SAT is a test that you you prepare for. Like, you train for the SAT. And if you don't have the time, the money, the resources, and the knowledge that there are, that there may be, like, organizations around you that can assist with that, you go into the SAT blind. Like, I walked into the SAT. I went to a college prep high school. I walked into the SAT having only taken the That's PSAT. Like, I had not taken any prep course. I didn't. I didn't have any of those books. Like we just didn't have the money for that, and so I walked in blank compared to people who you know may have been training for this since they were in right, ninth grade,
1: right? And these,
0: but this is an indicator of like how I'm supposed to perform. And these in kids college. get
1: tutoring and having in tutoring for years and years yeah. and years and years to prepare them for tests. Like test taking is a skill. It is a skill. Yeah. It is not a reflection of to me genuine knowledge of reading or mathematics, but instead it tests their ability to take a test.
0: I mean, too, then you also have to think about it's, it's a gatekeeper, right? So depending on the type of background you come from, if your parents had this money to spend to prepare you for the test, then you're automatically like, you're going to score higher whatever you'll score higher you'll get the funding that i need i come in i'm walking in blank trying to take the test and some of, i remember something the math some of the math being so unfamiliar to me just because of what i was being offered at my high school and like looking back now i can't help but think of like i felt like i went to a decent high school like a good high school whatever but other teens who maybe were not at a high school that had as many resources as me like them trying to take the SAT and walking in just as blind as I was walking in and how like from the very beginning we're almost shut off completely from doing anything post high school because you need those SAT scores or at the time you needed those SAT ACT scores to get into a college and if my high school didn't go up to whatever x amount of math that is on the SAT you know like it's it's a domino effect. We're letting tests determine children's outcome in life.
1: And teachers are being forced to center their instruction around tests. I'll even empathize with our principals out there who are, <laughs> no shade, um, who are, um, you know, who have immense, an immense amount of pressure on you to produce a particular number by the close of the year. um I know you heard about those principals in Atlanta. Do you do you do you remember that?
0: Oh, I have some real funny yeah, well, about this. Well, the
1: principals in Atlanta who um, faked those uh, test scores. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was a mess, Atlanta. But it's like desperate times calls so my, for desperate measures.
0: My principal, my first year. Was the replacement for one of the principals that, you know, was Didn't involved they get in the jail time?
1: Wow. Yeah. Good.
0: Yikes. I think I, I often wonder what would happen if people just said no. Yes. Right? Like, no, we won't force children to sit through a five hour test and feel like their worth is tied to how many they can bubble in within the five hours. No, we won't force children to read passages to prepare for a reading test that will tell us nothing about them as a reader. Like, what would happen if people just said no? So
1: do you remember back in 2015, there was the opt-out movement? And I thought that that was really awesome. I remember sitting in my college classroom discussing this with... um the other future teachers in the room about the power of opt-out and why teachers were reluctant, our mentor teachers were reluctant to send home paperwork to parents telling them to opt-out. But basically, a while ago, back in 2015, parents um, were allowing their kids to opt-out of the standardized testing by sending in a letter And, um, you know, schools had to, you know, follow that and had to give them an an alternative assignment that was not a standardized test.
0: I think it's worth pointing out, though, that the opt-out movement is really white, at least in Houston, Texas, it is. They have an opt-out academy that they they have every year. And. I mean, opting out is just never presented as an option Mm. to black people. I remember my first year, it was, you need to be at school, you need to be at school, you need to be at school. They did robocalls to get kids to school for star test. But any other day, attendance didn't really matter. But no one is telling parents in black communities that you don't have to force your child to take this test. But white parents and upper middle class, upper... um income parents, they have the resources and the connections to be aware that they don't have to subject their child to this. Other people don't always have that knowledge, and it's not freely given. So I think that's just something, when you talk about the opt-out movement, I think that's something that you have yeah. to, to mention. Hmm. So, I mean, I wish all of us were aware of it, but yeah.
1: I will say that uh, this was a big reason why I decided to go to private schools. Um, because I wanted to know what it was like to teach in a school that was not centered around testing, whose measures for success were not centered around any t- sort of testing, um, but instead more authentic assessments. And I would say, in my experience, it was great. Um it was challenging because I was like, okay, there's no test. What do I do? And I was really challenged to create, you know, assessments and data points throughout the year that were non-traditional and that were a lot more, not hands-on, but I think like that included a lot more skills than one. So um, like a lot of my tests were, like multimedia exams, which I enjoyed, so like it was like a fourth, like a fourth of the tests was like on paper and on tests or uh, like multiple choice. You know, the, the next half was an essay. The next half was like log on the FlipGrid and listen to this problem and solve this this problem, so we can like see how they are with like speaking and listening, and like so like there were just a a, a lot more flexibility to create more authentic assessments. Um, and I know that there are public school teachers yeah. who are also doing that too, but I it reminds me, and just to kind of circle back to the conference that we went to last weekend, and there was a principal from New York, and she said, well, what advice do we have for teachers who want to keep their jobs? Which you tell me every week, but it's like, you know, <laughs> like, like, what advice do we have for <laughs> teachers who want to keep their jobs and who... Know that they have to abide by this test in order to continue working, um, yeah. or these school leaders. I'm still yeah. empathizing with y'all who have to implement these tests in order to keep their school running because there are tax dollars involved in this in these tests. Or someone else who says, "Well, how else do we compare students?" from other districts or across states if we don't have a standardized exam
0: why do we care
1: (laughs) i think with that one though like I'm not. I don't think that there needs to be a standardized exam. Well, maybe there can be. Well, no, 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 no. I take that back. There doesn't need to be a standardized exam, but, they, but there can be a standardized assessment. That is teacher created. Going back yeah. to my teacher teacher center, y'all. Yeah. Teacher created. Teachers from districts yeah. can come together to create an assessment. Teachers can make have a national thing where they're coming together and they're creating an assessment that they all commit to doing when they get back to their schools. Everything always centers back to being teacher-centered and teacher-created, honestly.
0: It'd be nice if there was like a national checklist of what a child should be able to do at the end of kindergarten. (laughs) No. (laughs) Child Uh, art standards are a mess. A mess.
1: Another topic for (laughs) another Another day. I'll just end it here by saying that, because we are going a little bit long, (laughs) You know, there are people who are out here doing the work to eradicate standardized testing for the sake of implementing high-quality assessments, authentic assessments that are not racist for our babies and who and that will actually promote teacher collaboration and that will give us those data points that we need to move our babies forward. You can visit the Center for Collaborative Education for more information on how your school um can sign up to be a part of the network of teachers um who are working to eradicate standardized testing from their schools. If your school decides to sign up, they can you, you you know you can work together with teachers in this network to come up with an assessment that you can then present to your district and then you can write a letter which can eradicate the standardized testing. Um, and so they're providing you the space, the creative space, the autonomy, the guidance, and the leadership that will help you come up with a more, um, well, with the better alternatives. that just makes goddamn sense uh, <laughs> for our kids. So you can visit their website at cce.org for more information. And on that note, we're going to take a break. We'll be right back. Mm-hmm,
0: mm-hmm. Yeah. And we're back. If you have questions, you can email them to us at commonsensepod at gmail.com or you can just send them through our website at commonsensepod.com. So I have some questions for you.
1: All right.
0: Okay. This one has a lot of background, so listen closely. Hi there. I'm a second year special education teacher working in a black public school district in Southern Illinois.
1: Oh, God. <laughs>
0: I was listening to the Rainbow Fish episode while I was getting ready for work, and I was shook after hearing the question about what to do when someone in a leadership role is a second-year teacher. This is crazy for me because I legit considered writing in for advice since I have been put on an instructional leadership team by my admin, but then I felt like I was being summoned and knew I had to write you all. Let me just start by saying I wish they would have asked for my approval before adding me to this team.
1: Well, damn.
0: Right. I'm very honored to be given this opportunity, among others, like being a presenter for professional development. When I get over my momentary imposter syndrome, that's real, I actually feel like I add good insight to the team. This is also bittersweet, though, since I dislike being in meetings and observations as much as I'm in my co-taught classes. Overall, I've been thrusted into this position, and now I'm expected to execute the duties. Any advice on how to navigate this leadership role tactfully as a second year? Thanks. Middle school special ed teacher.
1: Well, congratulations on your role, sis.
0: Congrats.
1: Um, I mean, I don't think you should feel bad about receiving a leadership role. Um, Clearly, they saw something in you that is special and you should own that and, and be proud of yourself for that. Real talk. And I think that with this leadership role, you have an opportunity to do something different. Um, our, our biggest issue. Well, I'm speaking for you, Anthony. I'm sorry. Uh, our biggest issue is not the fact that people have leadership roles. Our biggest issues is how they behave in them. And so what ends up happening is that people get a title and then they forget what it's like to be a teacher. And so you are in, you are in your second year. And so you are just getting your feet wet, sweetheart, Um, as am I in my fourth year.
0: <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> and so with this leadership position, I would just say, learn as much as you can so that you can give as much as you can. Um, And, it, you know, being ha, being a being a second year teacher means that you bring fresh perspective, Um, but don't let them tell you what to do just because you are a second year teacher like you're a second year teacher with some substance and you got a lot to give as well um but this is a a real opportunity to um kind of share with your team and to gain as much in- information as possible um to give back to your team now if you was talking about some girl i'm a second year teacher and they want me to be vice principal then i probably <laughs> will have a different answer but it, if you're run sis run sis i was on the (laughs) um on the academic leadership team my second year as well um so
0: ain't that crazy how they do you black (laughs) man (laughs) but
1: (laughs) i'm about to be dean of discipline next (laughs) (laughs)
0: um i would just say go in with an open mind right and do a lot more listening than anything i think especially as a second year you're It's still also new. Um, And like he said, also, you should be proud of being asked to be in that role, but also being mindful that you do still also have a lot to learn from everyone around you as well and not forgetting that piece. Yeah. Okay.
1: Moving on.
0: This is a fun one.
1: Oh, God.
0: (laughs) What are your thoughts on Accelerated Reader Programs? and setting point goals slash having reward parties for point goals earned. We have readers workshop at my school in reading class every day, sixth grade, but it is tied to AR. Love your podcast.
1: I don't know what accelerated reading programs are. I'm sorry.
0: You didn't grow up with those? No. Oh, my goodness. Okay. Um, these were stupid for me growing up because I was such a, a crazy reader. But you, you get a book, you read the book, and you take comprehension quizzes on them and based on your score at least it was reading counts when i was growing up i never did accelerated reader which is a specific program reading counts you had certain books were worth certain points and you just took the quiz until you passed the quiz
1: are these like specialized books or these like books of your choice
0: they're books of your choice so like harry potter i remember was lime green i took that one in third grade so You had a dot that you were supposed to... I don't even know if they put dots on the books anymore. You picked books on your color so that you could take the quiz for your color.
1: These are real, authentic books?
0: For my... Yeah.
1: Okay. But
0: but it was just... Some people would take easier books to get more points. And so you weren't...
1: (laughs) (laughs) Give me that corduroy. Give me that corduroy. (laughs) Okay.
0: And so, I just depending on the amount of points you had, whatever happened. And so, I guess her question is, how do you feel about kids that get rewarded for getting X amount of points on X program?
1: Well, I can say it in two words. How many words can you say it in?
0: I don't know. Uh, <laughs> I don't know. What are your words?
1: Bullshit. <laughs> <laughs> i mean honestly
0: i was was going for hell no but i mean
1: (laughs) oh well that works as well i mean honestly (laughs) if we we don't want uh, get having kids learn making kids uh, wait what what am i saying calm down (laughs) (laughs) right because i'm about to get angry but ultimately we want kids to learn how to read yes but we want kids to love to read as well and points do not help kids to love to read why? Because they're not going to read unless there's a point value attached to it. And when they leave your classroom and they go to the library or the supermarket, I don't know why I said that. That's old school. But 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 the library, the supermarket, or they graduate or whatever, they're not rushing to pick up a book because they are no longer motivated by the points. And so the only way that I know how to get kids to learn how to read and to love how to read is to do the Reader's Workshop model, but giving them complete autonomy with picking the books that they want to read. I wonder... It's not that hard to understand. It's really not that hard.
0: But we bought the program.
1: Throw that shit in the trash. <laughs> <laughs> That's because I I'm wonder, trying to so- get these points for these tests.
0: Shush. Okay. Sorry. You're too loud. Okay. I'm you're too sorry. loud. Okay. Okay. I wonder what it would what would happen if you just gave everyone all the points and let everyone go to the party.
1: That is a real Antonia move. She does it all the time.
0: So I don't know. I'm not a fan of AR, and I've heard of children getting zeros in the grade book because of not taking enough AR quizzes, um, which is redundant and stupid and. If they're not taking the quizzes, it's probably because they don't like the books that they're being asked to read and the fact that they're being quizzed on the books that they're reading. Um, Because a lot of times when when I'm trying to think about how I want to approach something with children, I think about how I would feel as an adult. And if you told me as an adult that I had to pick books from a certain part of the library and then I had to go take a test on these books before I was able to choose another book in the same part of the library, I would never want to read never so just using some common sense <laughs> come on when we think about the things we're asking children to do <laughs>
1: come on podcast plug yes yes i had to learn to love reading uh, again be- because i lost it during the summer reading um in high school oh yeah. yikes i hated it. summer reading <sighs> and there were no points attached to that because they, they didn't even grade it
0: nope I never read any of them so I had other things to read, but whatever. Just think about what you're asking children to do with the books you're asking them to read.
1: Yes. And when all else fails, give them the points anyway.
0: Give them the points anyway because it ain't hurting nobody.
1: And we're going to wrap it up there. If you have any questions, please send them to commonsensepod at gmail.com. Or you can send them to our website at www.commonsensepod.com. Do we have a quote this week?
0: We do. It is from James Baldwin, a talk to teachers. If you've not read it, you definitely should. I read it every year and go back several times to it. And he says, The paradox of education is precisely this. That as one begins to become conscious, one begins to examine the society in which he is being educated. The purpose of education, finally... Is to create in a person the ability to look at the world for himself, to make his own decisions, to say to himself, this is black or this is white, to decide for himself whether there is a God in heaven or not, to ask questions of the universe and then learn to live with those questions is the way that he achieves his own identity.
1: Yes, I love that. I love that. And I love James Baldwin. We would not achieve that, y'all, through standardized testing we're going to we will re, we will achieve that through relationship building and sustaining those relationships over time we will achieve that through authentic and liberating assessments we will achieve that through daily quarterly and yearly reflection um and we will do that ultimately through collaboration And I promise you that we will get to the place where we need to go when we enact those things. But it starts by saying, hell no, we won't go. (laughs) Take this test.
0: (laughs) Do what you got to
1: do. Thank you so much for listening, guys. And we'll see you next time. Thank you so much for listening to the Common Sense Podcast. Subscribe at our website at www.commonsensepod.com and receive the episode a day early.
0: You can also subscribe to the Common Sense Podcast on iTunes and SoundCloud. We love seeing your reviews um, and reading them, and it helps spread the message to other educators each time a review is posted.
1: Yes, and we'll see you next time.